Hi, I'm Aoife from Lily Homes, and this week I'm delighted to interview Suzanne O'Connell. Suzanne is a teacher, a head teacher, and an educator. Um, she runs a language academy here in Spain on the Costa Blanca South, and we're going to talk about education in Spain, about schools, primary, secondary exams, how schools are structured, and hopefully answer all of the questions that you as parents might have about moving to Spain and about how it all works here in terms of putting your children in school and what your options are and our recommendations as parents for the experience you're going to have with schools in Spain. So I hope you enjoyed the interview. In the show notes, you'll find information about how to get in touch with Suzanne and her Language Academy and how to get in touch with us here at Letty Homes if you have any more questions and we will be delighted to hear from you. So for now, on with the interview. Hello and welcome. I'm delighted to be here today with teacher Suzanne O'Connell and we're going to talk about education and schooling in Spain and hopefully answer some of the burning questions that you have if you have children or if you're thinking of having children in Spain how to go about putting them in education and what to expect so thank you Suzanne for joining us today my pleasure and to begin with I think if you could tell us about yourself your journey what brought you to Spain and a bit about your background okay well um, I am a teacher as you said by by trade um, I currently live in Spain, in, in Torrevieja, and uh, have a, an English language academy. What's it called? Active in English. Active in English. Um, which is in the town centre. Um, and I live with my, um, my younger son, who's now 14 years old. Ooh, lucky you! <laughs> yes, teenage years. Beautiful age, 14. <laughs> um, we came to, to Spain when he was two and a half, so okay. he is bilingual. Um, and my oldest son is also here, um, he's uh, in his 20s um, and he came out here when he was 16. Okay. Um, back in the UK I was um, a teacher for 23 years, wow. um, a head teacher of a junior school for 11 years. Um, and basically, um, like many people, we had a dream of coming to, to live in Spain. Uh -huh. Um, we had a holiday home here and um, getting a little bit fed up with some aspects of the uh, English education system. Uh -huh. um, I was already writing educational publications and decided to come over here and make a go of it. Um, and as many people have found out recently, um, you can do so much from home as well as and, and that means anywhere in the world, not necessarily just um, 10 minutes from where your office is. Absolutely. If one good thing has come out of the pandemic, it's that people who have, people have been pushed out of their comfort zone and onto apps and tools and resources that they never would have used before. So that's fantastic. So um, one of the reasons that I've invited you here today to speak is that um, at Lady Homes, we've had a huge amount of inquiries from families looking to relocate to Spain and I I mean I could you know I could guess at various reasons you know people in lockdown looking for a better life or sunnier climes to to, to enjoy um, but a lot of people with young families and a lot of people who are thinking of starting a family when they get here are wondering What's the story with education in Spain? Because it is one of the main issues. Once you've decided that you want to move here, if you have children or if you're thinking of have children, the, the next big question after, I suppose, what am I going to do for a living is, how am I going to cater for my children's education? So obviously you're a mother, I'm a mother, and we've both got our own experiences of the Spanish education system. But for people who, who have, have no idea 
about what to expect. Could you tell us about how it works? What's the journey of a child through through school in Spain? When do they start and, and all of that? Okay, well, um, they can enter school here at three years old. Mm -hmm. Um, and in fact, because of the way that the school year works here, you can have some children who are actually only two when my they, daughter was two when she began. <laughs> when she they, was, yeah, when they start, which comes as quite, I know, quite a surprise. And I mean, it's absolutely delightful to see them once they're settled, of course, you know, sure. piling into school with their little backpacks on. Um, so they spend three years um, in the infant school. And then um, they progress into the, um, the, the primary division, all in, within the primary school. Um, although it's important to say, I think, that um, in fact, the infant years, it's uh, not obligatory. They, okay. they only have to start when they're six years old. Okay, so the three years in infantile, you don't have to send them if you... If you don't want if to. If you choose not to, if but you not from to. six onwards, you it's, must, it's you, by law. It's compulsory, okay. yes but um, most people do choose to send them because mm -hmm. obviously, you know, it's, uh, it's free, it's um, a, a state service and especially if you are, um, a, if Spanish isn't your native language. I was going to ask you, so for, for a family who have just moved here and maybe they have a, a young child ready to start school, would you advise that they use the opportunity of those three years of infantil to set a basis of, of the Spanish language. Yes, ab absolutely. Um, I mean, and I would say even earlier than that, if you come over with um, a very young child, even if you are at home um, and don't need nursery provision, you look at um, putting them into a Spanish-speaking nursery so that as early as possible, um, they, they get are, that foundation. Um, yeah, they yeah. are immersed in a Spanish language because I'm assuming they won't have that at home. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, the, the more that they are familiar and um, with Spanish, then the easier is the trans transition into school. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of, so they do their three years of infantile, and then from age six to roughly age maybe 12 or so? Uh, yes, I, they are um, in primary school a year after. Um, they would usually be in primary school in the UK. Okay. So they transfer when they are 12, and then they have four years um, of compulsory... Uh, uh, secondary? Secondary, okay. which is instituto, okay. they call them here. Um, before that, they, they say colli. Okay. Uh, and um, they don't term them both as school, which is sometimes a little bit con confusing. I suppose because we refer to it all as school. Exactly. So primary school is cole, colegio, yes. secondary school, instituto. Yes. Okay. Um, and they have four years there. And at that point, then they can um, they, they begin their bachelor, bachillerato. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is the equivalent really to sorry, my mask is <laughs> sorry. Yeah. for anybody who, who's listening without video we might sound a bit muffled because we're recording this in the middle of a global pandemic and uh, we, we have our masks on but hopefully yes, the sound yeah. will be okay so sorry Suzanne so if I keep fiddling with it it, 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 it is a it's habit but go on um, but we, which would be our equivalent of A-levels so after their, uh, their, their initial when they go into secondary school they have four years and then they do a state exam First they, or yeah, they have um, um, they well they have exams <laughs> all the all the way through more many or many less. exams. Yes, they many love exams. the L exams <laughs> in Spain. Oh, they love the exams. <laughs> but then this all leads up to them receiving a certificate that mm -hmm. shows that they have completed their secondary 
education at the basic obligatory level yes so would that exam then be equivalent to a GCSE yes more or less or in Ireland a junior cert yes okay Um, but and and I think the same goes for the um, bachillerato there is less um, there is less diversification they they continue with more subjects for longer in Spain so, uh, and a lot of people feel that this is a real advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, the bachillerato is, um, they have to maintain some history, English, uh, of course the Spanish language, um, whilst also making some choices. So they continue studying um, more subjects at a higher level. Whereas, as you know, in the UK system, you tend to specialise very much A level. Right. Is it three or four? Three. In Ireland, the Leaving Cert is six subjects. Yeah, and in England, normally it would be three, maybe four. Okay. Um, but um, but yes, yeah, so it's much narrower, okay. uh, which some people feel is not so good because it also narrows your choice when you're you're looking to go to university. I suppose you're limiting your options then if you've only chosen three subjects and then you realise you're you want to to study you know go on to third level yeah elsewhere then yeah I understand so having a broader range of subjects at you know age 15 16 17 leaves your options open to different choices or more choices if you choose to go on to yes I, I, to third I think level. so I mean it depends how you look at it because if you're just dying to drop something uh, yeah. <laughs> certain subjects you have to continue with beating up in a, a, a um, less difficult form maybe oh okay okay and then so when they go to in primary school um, I know when, when I was many 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 years ago in Ireland when I was in primary school we had one teacher and that one teacher did everything she did art PE English religion everything was that one teacher and she was our like school ma'am for the day but it's different here, isn't it? The children in primary have different teachers for different things. I think it's fair to say that in the infant department, they more or less have one teacher. Okay. Um, and in fact, uh, something that surprised me was um, uh, my son, for example, had uh, the same teacher for three consecutive years in, in infant. It's quite nice So they, that that teacher brings them on their journey through age three, age four and age five. Yes, yeah getting them ready with their kind of pre-writing skills I guess and yes and I mean they do it they do a lot of it is social skills mm-hmm. um, very much settling them in it's not um, pressurized um, well certainly not from our point of view yeah. in the in the infant um, department which was perfect especially for for, for my son because um, although he had been to Spanish nursery school he still was not um, as confident in Spanish mm-hmm. as his peers so it gave him time and um, his school were very good to give him extra um, some extra classes as well and some additional support very good um, which means now of course he's he is bilingual yeah that's fantastic and we, I mean we had a similar experience where I was horrified that my daughter had to it had to, not had to but it was recommended that she started school at age two because in that in that calendar year she turned three but it was it was brilliant it was the making of her because the three years of infant school it wasn't books and learning and tests and exams it was very much learning through play Mm. and as you say social skills and her Spanish she's the most Spanish of the family she's my you know she's my little Spanish girl because (laughs) she almost is she's she's absolutely bilingual where my son is a little bit older 
and he he would think in English and translate to Spanish where with with my daughter it's it's more natural because she's she's had more years in in a Spanish school and yeah it was the making of her and as well we made the choice to send her to Commodore which is was a new thing for us we sent both of them to Commodore actually uh, which for anybody who doesn't know what Commodore is, it's school dinners. Most primary school, I don't think secondary schools provide Commodore, do they? Or no, does it depend they have, on the they have a, a canteen which um, is still very popular because they can go and spend their money on, on have what coffee they want. and be yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously things are a little bit different at the moment, but uh, yes, they they have a canteen. Of course. So under normal circumstances, there's yeah. a canteen in secondary school, and in primary you have Commodore, which are school meals provided by the school that are optional. Um, so the school day starts at nine, finishes at two in primary, and then immediately they go to Commodore and they eat, they have a full hot meal with a, a salad and a, you know, a main course and a dessert, which is usually fruit or yogurt. And they get to try different things, different food. They mightn't like it all, but they try <laughs> paella and they try fideos and they try all sorts of different, you know, one day a month, they might have a treat like pizza. Um, but it opens them up to speaking more Spanish for more hours of the day, which is why we chose, brilliant, send them to Commodore. Um, and then in, in a lot of schools, you have the option then to collect them. at. So you don't have to send them in from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., which is a lot of people's concern. Oh, it's a very long day, especially when they're small. So they can go to school 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. for classes. And if they choose to go to Commodore, they can do that from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m., which is the time that they eat and you can collect them or they can stay in until the end of the school day, which is usually around five. And when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, there's also extracurricular, yeah. extracurricular activities, which I'm going to ask yeah. you about in a while. So, so just, we talked about um, it, the infant school having the, the one teacher. Yes. Primary school. And then I went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, no. Like I, like I have a tendency to do. Thank you for bringing us back to the point. <laughs> no, no, because I think the, the point about Commodore is a very important one. And we did the same, that um, it's extra time for socialising and developing the language skills. So it, it's really important. A relevant tangent. It's and very, Like very Billy so. Connolly will circle <laughs> straight back to our point about English. So I, I would have forgotten to have mentioned that, so thank you. Um, but yeah, primary, they do start to, to have different teachers for different subjects, although they still have their, their class tutor who is um, with them for a, a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, of course, um, secondary, instituto, it's very much um, different teachers. Uh, they still have a tutor mm -hmm. who is sort of responsible for keeping an eye on them. Um, Contacting uh, parents with yes, concerns yeah. or discipline issues or yeah. if they need extra support. And I think, I think that's sort of what works largely as you would expect um, in, in England and Ireland as, mm -hmm. as well. Um, so yes, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> okay. So, um, and, and in terms of, of learning English, then, in in my experience, and I think it's it primary schools all across the Valencian region, anyway. Uh, the parents of Spanish children want them to learn English, and obviously, children who are already English speaking have that advantage. They have an advantage that they already have this language, and a lot of them have a second language. Uh, you know, if they've if they've lived here for a while, um, so some of the subjects in primary school are taught through English. Um, I think PE or music, I think, is yeah. done through English, and which is a great benefit to to Spanish uh, children 
because they're exposed then to, to, to more English. But um, there is the issue of Valencian in this region and a lot of people won't be aware. I mean, I wasn't even aware that there's another language here. I didn't even know it existed. That, I mean, I speak Spanish and I speak English. And then all of a sudden my children are coming home with these books in this language that I, what is this? So it's Valencian. So Valencian is the, the regional dialect of the Valencian community, which is spoken in some parts of the Costa Blanca, but not all in, in, in places like, I think Elche, Guardamar, and you know, some places up the north of the Costa Blanca, it's the first language where traditional Spanish, as we would know it, is the second language. So it's an obligatory subject here. And I know that some people struggle with it because they're unaware. Um, but I just wanted to offer my advice to parents who, who want to help their children um, is to use, <laughs> this took me a long time to figure this out, use Google Translate. And if you use the translator app uh, from Google, widely available and easy to use, if you put uh, Catalan to English or Catalan to Spanish, it picks up most of what you need to know right. if you're trying to help I just wanted to get that in there if you want to try mm. to because I struggled to help um, I could help because I speak Spanish I'm lucky I was able to help them with their Spanish homework I was able to help them with maybe not maths but you know mm. what I mean in mm. general but Valencian I struggled and then some other kind mother took pity on me and said use Google Translate Catalan to English or Catalan to Spanish and apart from you know some colloquialisms it works perfectly mm. um, I mean, I think that um, I, we, we as, as, as you've already suggested, really, for us, where we speak English and you know taking on Spanish has been a challenge. The idea of also then uh, we might fa be faced with um, literature or somebody speaking Valencian is uh, is another level uh -huh. of difficulty. Um, and like you said, sort of the homework is is uh, problematic. Um, but I, I think it's not only us who have th those difficulties. I know that many Spanish families where Valencian, again, is um, not going to be um, spoken. Yeah. Um, and of course, um, especially in this region, oh, we have many, many nationalities here. Um, you know, we, we, we have um, many Russian um, students as well. So um, it can be a bit more difficult. It's a level playing field it here is, then it in is. terms of Valencian. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that although it's, it is a controversial subject, um, I, I can see both sides to the, to the issue because um, it is a traditional language here. And the, you know, aspects of this are all political. Mm -hmm. um, what you just don't want is the children being used as- Exactly, as and for their education to suffer yeah. for the sake of somebody scoring a political, a political point. But so in terms of, of, of helping your children, there are resources available online, but the, the, the Spanish speaking families in this area are kind of at the same they're coming at it from the same direction as most of the international community are that they're not any better off or no. any worse off they all start at the same level and it progresses through school so it's probably not as big an issue in terms of learning as some people fear it to be and um, the spanish uh the spanish families then obviously are very keen to learn english and some of the subjects are 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 are, are taught through through English in, in primary schools but um, and we spoke before about when things are normal huge popularity of extracurricular activities here and and this is where I'd love to know more about your 
experience in your school mm -hmm. and, and why you set it up? Um, well, when, when we first came over here, as I, I think I said, um, I was I was writing, um, and I'd sort of, sort of moved away from actually direct teaching. Um, but then I was asked by um, my son's school to do some after-school classes, excellent teaching English. And um, once I started doing that, I, I, I realised first of all that actually working in a classroom with Spanish children or um, different national children of different nationalities not only sure. Spanish is um, is no difference from what I'd, I'd, um, I'd been trained to do okay and um, children are children and there might be some differences but by and large they are the same uh -huh. and um, I, how much I'd missed it so um, bit by bit then um, I sort of was doing more and more and moved into to, um, having my, my own after school um, academy because this is something that I found confusing when I, I um, first came here because when we moved here in, in 2008 academies in England were the, the new state schools you know and we're talking okay. sort of you know sec old secondary schools people talked about academies here and I thought well you know well, well that doesn't look like an academy to me <laughs> or what I knew as well what you had visualized as an academy Absol sure. absolutely but of course here it's um, they're basically um, at schools that teach after school sure um, and they're very popular you have English academies you have uh, dance academies um, music academies that teach different um, um, extracurricular subjects um, and many children will, and, and sports as well, we, there are a lot of, it's very popular after school. So families, once they've picked their children up from school, will then take them off um, somewhere else to, um, to, to learn um, additional skills or, or improve certain um, aspects of the curriculum. Absolutely. And also going back to what you were saying about Valencia, you have academies here who can um, help children who are struggling in particular um, subjects at school. Okay, so support classes yes. and, yeah. and the like, because now, now, because we've been forced online, we can do that through Zoom as yeah. well, yeah. which means that if you can't find a tutor, maybe your child needs a bit of extra support or a bit of help with a certain subject. Now it's brilliant because you can you know, look up a website and get recommendations and you can, you can pay digitally and you can, you can Zoom class um, sit the child in front of the computer yeah. and headphones and pen and paper and it's a great way of being able to avail of an extra class and extra help but without having to taxi drive them halfway around the country for and that's just my own experience <laughs> of Monday triathlon Tuesday rugby yeah. Wednesday this Thursday that dancing you know I love it I love that they're open to all of these opportunities um, and uh, like the, the, the children in your academy, are they all Spanish? Are they a mixture of nationalities? Uh, uh, very much a mixture of nationalities. I mean, the majority of children are Spanish, um, but we have, uh, we have a lot of Russian families too. Um, and they are, they are very keen to, to learn. I mean, they, they, they um, see English as a, a very important um, part of their child's education, preparation for the future, mm -hmm. and opportunities that go with it. And of, of course, especially in this area where you have so many businesses sure. that um, welcome uh, foreigners who speak English, um, it's seen as a priority. So if a family uh, were thinking about moving to Spain and they, they were going to put their children into 
public school, a Spanish-speaking school, and the child was going to learn Spanish and read through Spanish and be immersed in Spanish language and culture. Do you think it's important, um, and I know what you're going to say, so I'm, I'm only asking you so that I can drag an answer out of you. Do you think it's important for the parents of the family to keep their level of English to a certain standard as well? I mean, it's, it's, a, it, it's a balance. Um, I mean, certainly uh, when um, my son w was young, I, um, I, I mean, I'm a teacher, so, you know, we read together, tried to make sure that um, his reading of English was fluent, um, tried to practice some writing skills, which wasn't always easy. Um, but yes, I mean, in the home, um, because in the end, you can't help them develop their Spanish much at mm -hmm. home if you're not a, um, a native Spanish speaker. But of, of course, you can c um, keep their, their English going. I think um, sometimes where it has been more difficult is where you have um, a family where perhaps one parent speaks English and one parent is um, Spanish mm -hmm. um, because sometimes um, I've come across situations where in the English has not taken as much priority in the home. It's become lost maybe. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, Which is a terrible shame because that a child of a of a, a say a, an English speaking and Spanish speaking parent could have the best of both worlds but I suppose it's personal choice and it's down to every family's individual circumstances yeah. and you know, there's so many tools open to parents now for helping children to maintain their level of English, but also for people who have just moved here or people who are um, wanting to help their children in Spanish. The amount of things that we can do very easily to help them with Spanish. Mm. I mean, I think the main main things we've already said is trying to make sure that they they are in, for example, they have opportunity um, in a Spanish nursery or a, a Spanish school where they're Opportunities immersed. to speak and yeah. use and listen. I mean, the, the one thing that, um, and I, have, I haven't worked, worked out what the solution to this is, I'm conscious of the fact that although my son was, was fluent in Spanish, totally immersed with his friends, he perhaps had a, a more childlike level of Spanish. He wasn't, um, his, his more adult Spanish was less developed mm -hmm. because we weren't speaking Spanish at home. Yeah, we find the very same thing. My children are fluent in Spanish. They're both bilingual. However, the scope of their vocabulary wouldn't be equivalent to, to maybe their English vocabulary because when they're at home with us, we speak in English. The books that they read are mostly in English. Um, when the TV is on, it's in English, so, uh, but I, I'll take that, I'll take it yeah. because they, they still have two languages and I suppose if they go on to third level in Spain, they'll probably develop, you know, more vocabulary if they, if their partner maybe ends up being Spanish and they end up listening to Spanish radio more or watching Spanish TV more. I think English is, is their comfort zone and, and Spanish is at school. Mm. But like you say, I've the very same that they have brilliant Spanish. But when I listen to their 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 classmates, you I can hear a difference yes, yeah. between the ability. And you know, you you are trading things there because in the end, you know, this child is bilingual, and I think this is a wonderful a wonderful thing Absolutely. to 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 have. I mean, I did for my A levels, I did languages, mm -hmm. and I can remember feeling. I'm never going to be, no matter how hard I study, and by the way, one of those languages wasn't Spanish, which I shall forever <laughs> regret, because that would have really helped me. 
Um, you know, the, the, you, 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 you cannot uh, trade that in. It is something very, very special. I agree. I agree completely. So when the child has gone from, they've, they've done their three years of infantile, they've done primary school, they've done their four years of instituto and they've got their ESO, then they decide that they want to stay in secondary school because they don't have to after ESO. They can, they can, that's their obligatory secondary education done. They can stay on to do their bachillerato. Um, I have heard, because I'm not at that stage yet, mm-hmm. there's an option to do either the traditional uh, end of school exams or you can do kind of a, a, a is it like an NVQ or something more uh, hands-on, more like a trade? I mean, I think that as I understand it, um, and I'm not quite at that level yet either, <laughs> but as I understand it, there are voca- some more vocational type courses that students can can do mm-hmm. rather than, than um, going to um, doing bachillerato. Sure. So my my advice to uh, you know families who are thinking thinking ahead or who who are maybe at that stage, from from what I've learned, the courses vary from school to school. So for example. The secondary school in Torrevieja might offer a course on being a technician for um, telecommunications. The secondary school in Los Montesinos might offer a course in, um, you know, cooking or hostelry. So to do research, and there's a, a great resource, the CIAJ, the the Centre for Youth, yeah. um, and and they offer kind of information and prospectuses from from the various courses available and then you can have a look and see what what would suit your child because not every child is going to want to stay in education mm. and not every child is going to want to stay in education in the traditional way I no. suppose and I think as well we're learning more about how to educate um, it mightn't have filtered down to Spanish primary schools quite yet about the way things should be done but that's another conversation for another day I find from my personal experience it's very learn that and there's an exam learn that as an exam where I think um, in the future it would be brilliant to see different types of learners catered for you know visual learners um, you know people who learn by doing things and, and that but I think that's probably you know, something that we'll hopefully see yeah. in the future. I mean, I, I think one of the things that surprised me um, with an education background mm-hmm. is the, um, the the importance of books mm-hmm. um, in the classroom. Um, and I don't mean by that reading books necessarily, but um, every year they have um, a whole pile of books for um, a book for each subject that. Um, more or less leads the, the the teaching within the class. So it's very book-led? It's very book-led. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I, different schools, I mean, I think uh, particularly primary schools are experimenting with different approaches that aren't as book-led. I think there is a, a move to, mm-hmm. um, to to sort of address this mm-hmm. and to, to look at different the different ways in which um, children learn. Sure. Um, but certainly be prepared for that. Um, if you are lucky, your school will um, will help with the. Well, it's not actually the school that helps with the cost. So there is a, a scheme in this um, region. So um, a and you're probably bank. yes, yes, yes you're probably part of it as well. Absolutely, so. yes. Why not? And when we when we put the children into school here first, I mean, both of my children were born here, so they've been mostly um, in in the Spanish education system throughout. And at the beginning, the book scheme hadn't been. Um, rolled out so it was very costly Mm. 
um, at the beginning of every year like seven books seven workbooks lists and lists of materials and all that sort of thing which which the families you know are expected to buy um, but now it's brilliant because there's a book bank mm-hmm. in the school and you you get your set of books every year you agree to mind them and keep them in good condition you might have to buy the odd workbook but you know the main nothing like it was before <laughs> no absolutely not and then you give them back at the end of the year they go to a child in the in the next year and then your child gets somebody's books yeah. from the year ahead it's a, it's, a, it's a great recycling scheme it is it, it works very very well i mean i'm not sure the extent to which all regions do something similar and it, if not just bit, people need to be aware that they need to have a bit of money at the beginning of the year to to buy these course books um, but um, that's, it's it's a brilliant it's scheme. Just, yeah. It's a brilliant scheme. And what I love as well about the the publishers is that they provide you with the license number for each book at the beginning of the year. So if your child, um, you know who you are, <laughs> Ruby Letty, comes home and oh, I've I've you know uh, I have science homework and I forgot my book. Ha ha! <laughs> you go onto your account <laughs> and you key in your license number and voila, there's the book online. So it's it is moving forward yeah. in terms of technology. I mean, I also would say that um, we found um, the other parents of children in the class as well extremely supportive mm-hmm. in terms of we all had our little WhatsApp groups and if a child ha- wasn't sure what homework to do, people would would message and, and that send well. it and back brilliant and because everybody's in the same boat yeah. and it's like, Pablo forgot his book. Can anybody send me a picture of... The, the chapter they have to study before the exam and you can be guaranteed that in five minutes somebody will WhatsApp a few pictures yeah. and send it into the group. So there, there are plenty of support networks, um, I think, for, for people, and including your own, uh, you know, your own uh, nationality. Um, so, so would you recommend then that, you know, somebody, you know, a family is moving to Torre Vieja next week and they're mm-hmm. starting their children in school? You know, should they actively seek out English-speaking parents? Um, are, are there any other things that they can do to help themselves as a family integrate within the school kind of, you know, life? Um, I mean, what we haven't talked about yet is about international schools, mm. and um, because obviously this will make a difference as well if you are if you are. Um, thinking of enrolling your, your child into um, a Spanish school mm-hmm. or an international school. Um, and again, it will also depend on the area because you could put, if you are moving to um, a more inland um, town like Elche, for You might be for the example. only English-speaking family yes. in that town. Sure. Um, and there you, <laughs> so you're not really going to have much of an option. You really are going to have to integrate as much as you mm-hmm. can. And I mean, there's no, there's no doubt that um, the more you, the more you can, the the better. From the point of making a view of making the most of the fiestas, of the opportunities, of understanding the way that people think and behave. But also, um, I don't think people should feel guilty for the fact that um, you will, you know, in the end, you are you are not native Spanish, and mm-hmm. it's still nice to touch base sometimes with people who speak your own language and who understand um, how you feel about. Yeah, that could be a relief. It could be can, a big relief. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think that's a bad thing. You know that you 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 do have. Re- people who when you are oh, I don't understand what this means I don't I don't get this system or whatever that you can turn to who can give you just a bit of reassurance and, and you know um, make you make you feel that uh, 
you're not the only one who's ever encountered problems. Absolutely, and and you know to use the experience of other parents and that who have been through the system, who have advice, and you know if you're in a town where you are the only English-speaking family and you don't have somebody to call on, Facebook groups yeah. would be my recommendation of the place to go. Ask a question. There's so many helpful people online, helpful parents. There's Facebook groups, Mum Abroad, Mums of Spain, Ladies of Spain, uh, just three off the top of my head that are so helpful and they're such positive places to be online that there's no bullying or criticism. It's just if you have a question, you can ask and people will offer advice and help and support so there is there is that available yeah. and and it's choosing your area as well i mean yeah. if you you know if, if you already have spanish within your family um then you, yes taking the leap to to somewhere that is purely spanish is is a, a perfect it's not option. going to be such a culture shock yeah but i mean for example for us um you know th this this with a, a, the mixture of nationalities was um w was the better the better choice because it would have been um very difficult, even more difficult mm -hmm. to, have, to have gone inland, I think. So if a family is considering moving to Spain and their child is maybe a teenager or at a key point in their, maybe about to do their GCSEs or A-levels, you know, or maybe in a couple of years time, are they a good candidate for an international school as opposed to a public school? I, I, I think so. I mean, um, when we moved out here, my youngest son was two and a half, and my eldest was 16. Mm -hmm. So he had just completed his GCSEs. Okay. Um, and we took the decision there that um, it was too late for him to, to, to go into a Spanish school and learn the language sure. and do his bachillerato. I mean, this, uh -huh. this would at have been level, at, at that to, level. You know, with, with uh, your younger son, he was two and he a half. Was, he can learn he was starting. with the rest. Yes. Whereas starting at 16, yeah. it's a different ball game altogether. So my older son, we put into an international school to do A-levels mm -hmm. um, because the, the plan was that he would go back to study at university in the UK. That plan didn't actually work. However, um, it was for him at that time, I think, I if do think... If he chose to, it yes, would have it, been an option. Yes, the option was there. And I, I think it was the, um, the right decision because I, I don't think he would have been able... Um, to, to have picked up things quickly enough. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, you know, I hear of people who do. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it every, depends on the child. Uh, absolutely. It depends on the family, if they're able to maybe get some Spanish classes, you know, for the child before they move to Spain and give them a basis or a foundation. Depends on the child's willingness to learn, you know, if they're willing to integrate and mix with other you know, kind of older children or teenagers. And, and also, there's so many variables. You know, if they already um, have another language, um, yeah. you know, because there's, there's definitely an issue that um, children who have are bilingual have more than one language seem to be able to pick they up do. another. They pick, absolutely. Um, My older son has just started French and he's driving me bananas. <laughs> he, he just won't stop speaking you French, know, which is brilliant. So everything is in, in individual and in, yeah. in according to your family. But um, no, I mean, I think we have some good international schools. Um, in the in the area and um, you know for, for older students uh, who, who aren't fluent in Spanish it's a good option. They're a great option and then I suppose it's down to each family because international schools there there are private schools and there are semi-private schools. Private schools are expensive there's no getting away from it but if that's your choice then you you know that, that's what you do for your children or for your family. Semi-private I think are uh, 
a lot of them are run by nuns and things like that yes, but yeah um, and again great standard of education you do pay something but not as much as a fully private mm -hmm. school um, so I suppose in terms of an international school the benefits are you know smaller classes more individual attention um, mostly taught through English they can get international qualifications but the drawbacks are perhaps the price <laughs> is prohibitive um, I mean, uh, and most of them will also teach the British curriculum or mm -hmm. certainly aspects of it. So if you are out um, here, for example, for a, a, a specific number of years mm -hmm. um, and are aiming to return and need to pick up uh, education back in the UK, That's then a way of doing you might so. want, yes, yeah, so there yeah. is continuity for, for the child involved. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so. So there, there are a lot of options and, and research, research, research is, is the, the key, I think, to making sure that your child's education um, experience is a success. Um, we're, we're recording this uh, just before Easter time and this is usually around the time when schools are not quite yet, but they're getting ready to enroll for the next term, for next September. And I know, for example, the primary school that my daughter goes to, I don't know how they're going to do it this year, but I know <laughs> under normal circumstances, they open the school in May and they do tours and they let people walk around. Um, they're probably going to have to do that maybe virtually this year. I don't know, but is now when is the time of the year that people should be thinking of trying to get a place in their local school? I mean, I think after Easter, um, it seems to be the time when um, you, you make your application. Mm -hmm. There are points given, as I understand, depending upon, a bit like in the UK, depending on what catchment the catchment area, area is, okay. um, whether there are siblings in schools, this, this kind of thing too. Um, I think in most cases people go to their, children go to their local school sure. and in fact this is one, one of the things that um, I loved so much when we first came out here because I could actually walk with my child to school and uh, something which I'd never been able to do in, in the UK, going to school with my, my older children was always a fraught, you know, get in the car and drop in childminders and combining work. Eating a bowl of ice cream yeah, in the back of the car. You know, <laughs> crazy time. Um, but this time, you know, I could literally walk around the corner with him, the sun shining. Um, I just felt, it felt um, wonderful. So yes, anyway, going back to, back to, to putting them to, into school, you have to obviously have your documents mm -hmm. um, ready. You have to... In triplicate. <laughs> yes. Stapled. Signed in blood. <laughs> and I think we had to go, take him to the doctors as well. He had to have like a medical certificate. To show that um, he'd had all his jabs yes, when he was a baby. And, yeah. and that base, his basic health, I think they took his weight and this kind of thing mm -hmm. to, to, to make sure he was, he was healthy. Um, and passports and all that. that Padron, that. which is Padron, you yes. roll when you come here. You go to your town hall and you say, I live in this house. You provide documentation to prove that you live in this house. Then you're on the census, which shows that you officially have a certificate to say, I live in this town, which gives you, yes. you know, the options of the local schools. Yes, ab ab absolutely. Um, um, so, sorry, no, no. And then they um, they put a list. I remember on the um, on the door um, once the the process has been going through to show which children have got a, a place there. Place. Um, and um, and then yes, you. I think we had a, a phone call from um, the the person who was going to be his teacher, um, which because uh, I still find phone calls very difficult. 
I realize you realize how much you depend on seeing pe a person's face. Yes. Um, Even if it's just the top of their face. Yes. <laughs> well, I was going to say it's similar with a mask now. But yeah, see, so it's um, she. She rang up to to say what day he'd start, um, and and that um, also was a, a, a something of a surprise because. Um, whereas uh, in the UK you would spend a lot of time sort of very gradually maybe introducing them with an hour or two hours mm -hmm. it seemed um, it was it, although I think it was part-time to begin with it was relatively quick um, him actually being from zero brought, to full yes, day being yeah. brought in um, which seemed actually to work fine yeah it doesn't do them any harm <laughs> no, he's, he's he's soon adjusted and you know in in fact you feel as a mother oh goodness me he doesn't need me yeah you know he's not crying yes a few tears please you know i've spent all this time looking after you and now he's off and you can't even bye, cry mom. yeah bye mum you've ungrateful brat um we we also we had you know the same with our two beginning and we, we applied for their place and that um, and we, we got into the, our locals were very lucky to live beside what I would consider to be the best school in Toro Vieja, one of the best, if not the best. Um, if somebody has missed the boat, if they've missed um, the, the deadline for applications, there is another way to apply for a place. Uh, I think through the town hall, right. you go to your local town hall, you communicate with the councillor for education, and then once the deadline for the normal allocation of places has passed the town hall can allocate your child a space in that school it's it's kind of a, a way around yeah. if you've missed the deadline or perhaps if you move here in October mm. and you don't want to have to wait till the following September for your child to start there is a way you contact your town hall and, and bring a translator you, you can do it that way if you don't speak Spanish so um and also before they start usually if if they're starting in infantile at three years um and even if they change teacher often the teacher will call the parents in for a meeting to get an idea of the child's ability and just to tell you what you you can expect from mm. from the year how many school tours there are going to be what things they hope to achieve during the year what they're going to be working on projects and the like which is really handy to get to get an idea of what to expect, you know, for, for the school year ahead. I mean, I, I think obviously, um, if, if you're not fluent in Spanish, that is where you you do need. Um, ideally, perhaps if there is another parent who, who um, is able to help you a little with the translation, or I think the first few um, times we had these kind of parents' meetings, I, I took somebody with me. Mm. Um, although, you know, at the same time, it can be quite difficult sort of listening to, trying to pick up the Spanish and, and the translation as well. But um, that, that is, an, it is an alternative. And I sure. think, you know, particularly in the early days, I think we all sort of dwindle a little as the children get older and older. And of course, they don't want you necessarily around all the time either. Yeah. Um, but certainly in the early days, it's quite useful to, to you want to make sure that you, you know exactly how you can help Absolutely. Your child. And I I think most parents, um, especially most um, non-Spanish parents who have been through the schooling system, they know what it's like to begin with. They know what it's like to not know anything. So most of them are willing to help other people coming up through the ranks and give their advice and, and, and share their experiences. And most schools have an AMPA as well, the Parents Association, yes. yeah. and they're very much involved with them. Um, you know, maybe helping with the book scheme or extracurricular activities and, you know, maybe organising a carnival and they can be very helpful with... 
And if you can help with them as well, I mean, they're always looking for volunteers. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, even with sort of basic Spanish, everybody appreciates somebody who's going to muck in and help out and absolutely. donate what something. What a great or, way to integrate, ab to, absolutely. to get involved yeah. with, the, with, you know, with the school life. So what would your, you know, in a nutshell, in conclusion, your advice to people who are who are coming here to live and who are you know going to put their children into school here i think like you you said Eva, do your research mm -hmm. pick the area that's going to be right for you for what you're wanting mm -hmm. look at the different options that we've we've discussed the international schools or, or the uh, primary schools um and um and the particular needs of your your individual children but there's lots of opportunities here and um, I certainly don't regret it. Excellent. Th Suzanne, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for speaking to us. I've really enjoyed our chat. Uh, I hope we'll, we'll speak again soon. And uh, anybody looking to find out about Suzanne's school, her academy, I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can find out how okay. to get in touch with her if you have any questions. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again well, soon. Well, thank you for asking me. <laughs>